Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ultra 64DD. This is our uh, ongoing Patreon-exclusive series where we are playing every game in a series that you, you wonderful bastards, <laughs> vote on. I'm sorry for calling you bastards. <laughs> I stand by the wonderful part. Uh, this time around, we have chosen for us our first fighting game series. We're mm -hmm. very excited to get into it. We are playing Mortal Kombat. My name is Steve Guntling. Hello, I'm Woody Siskowski, leader of our world. Yes, and that's Siskowski with a K, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, it is it's, Siskowski with a K. I mean, there's a like, K in there, but, you know, yeah, exactly. And this, we Everybody should be changing all of their letters and their names to Ks uh, mm -hmm. in celebration of this episode. You're Steve with a K. I'm Steve with a K, yeah. absolutely. Figure that one out. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is a, this is a new series. We're excited to get into it. Uh, what do you think we should call this series? Lawless Victory. Ooh, yeah, or you just yell Mortal Kombat. <laughs> which, I don't know if that was ever in the games themselves. Is the, no. the famous yell of Mortal Kombat. It, I, it originally came from a TV commercial. Uh, for, um, for Mortal Monday, and then it got worked into the famous song, and now we just associate it with uh, with with Mortal Kombat, which is the series we're talking about mm -hmm. today. I'm really excited to get into this. Uh, this is easily the the most controversial, the most talked about, the most popular fighting game of its era. I would say, you know, may, maybe outside of, well, I mean, in sales, as as far as sales go, it outsold. Street Fighter. Oh, by okay. Quite a significant margin. Okay. It outsold everything by a significant sure. margin. Um, I mean, it's it served as like a First Amendment battleground. It's been banned and sold out and treasured and despised and memed. And like it's it's just been I think it's one of the principal like kind of cultural outputs of the 1990s. Yeah. I think that's I think that's yeah, safe I'm okay to say. with that. You know, uh, I mean, we're we're gonna be getting into more of the cross-cultural phenomenon as we get deeper into this series. But today we're just going to be focusing on the first four numbered games in mm -hmm. the series, kind of the original four, the things that set the standards for what Mortal Kombat would become. Uh, it was like, on. I don't know, somehow it, it feels like it was when it was just a series of games and not necessarily a franchise of like... <laughs> An entire world, even right. though the movie had the movies had come out at this point. But. Yeah, yeah, the movies kind of came out in between some of these games we're going to be talking about. Um, so, I mean, we it's been a little bit since we talked about Mortal Kombat. We covered a couple of games on uh, pretty early on in mm -hmm. the uh, Ultra sixty four run. So it's kind of a refresher. Like, uh, what's your relationship with fighting games and with Mortal Kombat specifically? Oh, sure. Um, I like fighting games. I've always had an affinity for them, yeah. um, but. That affinity has not really. I haven't kept up with them. Like they definitely peaked around Street Fighter Two and Mortal Kombat. Um, You're not like counting Mortal pixel boxes that, for hit points and things like that's that. That's the part that got so hard for me is yeah. because online play was essentially seen as like this will give fighting games a second life. Yeah. But what I essentially realized with that is when you play online, you realize you're not good at games. Yeah, <laughs> and in fighting games, that's, that's every online game yeah, for me. I'm exactly. like, oh, I'm bad at things. And in fighting games, especially, so like when you're playing something like Soul Calibur with mm -hmm. just your buddy that you've played Soul Calibur with, you always have a pretty good time because usually you're around the same level because you're the only other person that they play against. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but when they're like, okay, in these new Mortal Kombat, you're going to figure out these combos and these frame perfect things, and like I think I'm pretty good at the original Mortal Kombat games. Yeah. I just haven't kept up. Um, that level of interest. So they sort of stand as a interesting... I, I mean, they're still going, but somehow they seem like a relic of their time. It's a genre that, to me, hasn't really ever gotten any better. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, because it's, it's always It's gotten the same. more elaborate. Yeah, um, but it always scratches the same itch. Like, it doesn't matter... Which is, you, like, not a bad thing, no. necessarily. It's a good itch. It's a good yeah, itch to Oh, scratch. totally. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't matter if the... The, the di Mortal Kombat 11 and Mortal Kombat 3 are essentially the same game, despite yeah. like looking and playing totally different. They, right. You're going to have the same amount. I'm going to have the same amount of fun. With There's it. still like kind of the same primal sort of need that's being served yeah. with it. Yeah. And I mean, I know you are like a Mortal Kombat fan. Like yeah, you did, totally. you know, you've, you've made videos. You, <laughs> you're wearing a Mortal Kombat shirt at the moment. Yes, you know, like, true. Yeah. And uh, for me, like, I I loved the world of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I loved the the characters and like characters I, I, with a K. 
I had characters in the game, exactly. I kind of loved everything around Mortal Kombat except the games. Yeah. Uh, for the, for a long time. Like, I think I finally, like, only kind of recently, I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like what Mortal Kombat's become. Um, but these first four, like, are not really my favorite games. Okay. You know, they, I, I think they're kind of clunky. We'll, we'll get into that a little yeah. bit. Um, but I, I always liked the idea of it. And I think character-based games like fighting games really kind of stood out for me when I was young. Like mm-hmm. I got real into like Eternal Champions and real into Street Fighter and things like that, mostly because of the characters and the goofiness. And, yeah. and you know, I like having very diverse characters who all control differently and do different things. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this first game. There's so much to cover. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I mean, excuse me. Mortal <laughs> Kombat! was first released October 8th, 1992. It was developed and published by Midway, and it was released in arcades and on Super NES, Genesis, Game Gear, Game Boy, Master System, DOS, Sega CD, Amiga, Mobile, PS2, GameCube, 360, PSP, PS3, PSN, and Steam. Pretty much anything with a screen. Uh, All right, Mortal Kombat came about with a single-line assignment from Midway, and that is produce a combat game within one year. That's okay. that was kind of the, the dictum that they were given. Sure. Street Fighter Two had hit arcades in nineteen ninety one and it was already this huge cultural phenomenon and Midway Midway wanted in. So they assigned two of their youngest staffers to the job. One was a guy named Ed Boone, who was a programmer who'd been working on in Midway's pinball department, mm-hmm. and John Tobias, who was a comic book artist and writer who had provided some of the iconic designs for Midway's uh, earlier arcade hit Smash TV. Nice. So if you're a big fan of, uh, what's the big robot guy's name? Mutoid Man. Mutoid Man. Thank you. Yeah. If you're a fan of him, you have John who Tobias. Who isn't a fan of Mutoid think. Man? Uh, everyone. I, I mean, except me, apparently not remembering yeah, his sure. name. But Now I really want a Mutoid Man shirt. Yeah. So. Oh, there's got to be that. Uh, so the two had come up with an idea for a martial arts-themed game similar to Karate Champ, everyone's favorite game that ever, we all remember clearly, yeah. uh, but using digitized versions of real people instead of sprites, similar to a little-loved arcade brawler called Pit Fighter that came out in 1990. Very bad game. Very bad game. Uh, the idea had even been pitched to Midway before, who had briefly considered developing it as a tie-in game with the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Universal Soldier. Okay. So that project fell through, but the character of Johnny Cage is actually based on Jean-Claude Van Damme as a little nod to that early Got project. It. And his main move being the split punch, The right? splits. Jean-Claude a, Van Damme's signature move of doing the splits. He's a movie star with yeah. the, the initials JC. Yeah, same, same kind of thing. So the game was original, it wasn't originally intended to, become, to be as violent as it eventually became. The concept of fatalities was sort of developed as a response to um, the dizzying moves in Street Fighter 2. Oh. These guys hated that idea because, yes. you know, if you play Street Fighter 2, you take enough damage, your character gets dizzy for a second and leaves you open. Totally with them. It's a very bad mechanic from a, a gameplay standpoint because if you just got, if you just whiffed and got hit by a big combo, you're yeah. already punished by taking a bunch of damage, and, I mean, and then your character is left vulnerable, and you're like, oh, now I'm going to get punished more. Yeah, I mean, if you get dizzy, the match is pretty much already over, which is kind of what they stumbled upon. So, like, how about we'll add a dizzying mechanic once the match is mm. done, it's settled, and now they're just vulnerable for, like, these uh, finishing moves, and then these finishing moves got gradually more and more gross as they started sure. messing around with it and being, you know, edgy early 90s men. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so several titles were tossed around for this game including Kumite, Dragon Attack, Death Blow, and Fatality. <laughs> but none of those stuck, and it wasn't until some anonymous staffer changed the word combat on a whiteboard to have a K that the new title came around. And they just wow. said they did it because it was that, funny. I imagine it was just a late night, and they were like, there we go. The, it's interesting to be that person and think that nobody knows who I am, mm-hmm. and I had this like tremendous impact, uh, like this one act totally changed this huge piece of culture. It's a good title. It, it, I mean, it, it is a great it's title. It's a great title. And I don't know, something about having that K there just makes it seem harder edged. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird kind of uh, linguistic phenomenon. So the game hit arcades in 1992, and it was an instant runaway smash hit, and it was mostly word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, Gamers would go and they would discover this game and like, oh, have you heard of this game? You can like rip a guy's head off and <laughs> beat him to death with it. You can pull out their spine and there's blood and gore. You hadn't really seen anything like this in arcades at this and point. And the thing that is so odd for as essential as, well, as like that is such the defining characteristic of the original Mortal Kombat is like the shock value and the yeah. violence of fatalities. 
you play that game now, it hardly seems violent at all. No, very like, tame. Yeah, very tame. It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. It maybe speaks poorly of the way that we have grown and our culture has <laughs> changed. But like, you barely even notice the blood. Like, yeah. The fatalities hardly come up. And like, I don't, it's just so odd when you compare that original Mortal Kombat to one of the fatalities in Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, God. I mean, which, I, which like, we're, we're, we, we talked yeah. about this in the past. We're both pretty hardened to this kind of stuff. But some of the stuff in the later Mortal Kombat is so gross. Yeah. Like, I have to look away from the screen. The like, zoom in into organs exploding is just real unusual. big on testicular trauma, those yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so arcade, you know, arcade gamers flocked to this game. And it was one of the two highest grossing arcade games of all time alongside NBA Jam, which mm, came out the same year. Game. By 1993, Mortal Kombat had made more money than the top grossing movie of 1993. And for context, that movie was Jurassic Park, wow. which at the time was the highest grossing movie of all time. Okay. So Mortal Kombat was selling more than the highest grossing and movie ever made. Here's another thing to consider. Jurassic Park, obviously a movie made with incredible skill yeah. with... Um, Tons and tons of like super talented people behind it. it. When you beat the original Mortal Kombat on arcades, mm-hmm. the credits list, including the person who did the cabinet design, eight people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's it was essentially a, a game team. designed like the art style and story was designed by one person. Yeah. And the programming was done by one person. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's like, oh, this is going to make more money than Jurassic Park. It's wild. It costs significantly. I think it cost $1 million to make this first game, whereas Jurassic Park was like, I don't know, $100 million or something yeah. back in the day. So, of course, with this much success, there became a lot of controversy. Uh, parents and religious groups became alarmed by the levels of violence in the game as well as some other titles on the market at the time, like Night Trap and Lethal Enforcers. So arcade owners were being pressured to ban the game, but it was making the money hand over bloody fists, so it really wasn't going to happen. Uh, this game was outright banned in some countries, including Spain, but it was edi- and it was edited heavily in other countries. Mm. Uh, so in 1993, uh, Democratic Senators Joe Lieberman and Herb Cole launched a series of congressional hearings on video game violence. And Mortal Kombat... Night Trap and Doom were kind of held up as the highlights. Mortal Kombat Night Trap in particular because they were using real people. It wasn't just like cartoons or monsters. It was people that was having this done to them. Uh, So the ultimate result of these hearings was the formation of the Electronic Software Ratings Board Mm -hmm. or the ESRB, which attached universal content ratings to games for the first time. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Like, the ESRB, I think... I mean, it would have come out eventually, you know, the same way that it did with the film's rating board. But it's nice to know what content is going to be in your game before yeah. you decide to play it or not. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But, and you can make an educated decision on yeah. that. Like, I believe Sega had their own kind of uh, in-house rating systems. You would see, like, uh, MA-13 or something okay. listed on there. But that was just for their games, and that was kind of at their discretion. I and see. this kind of uh, uh, made it universal. So uh, the home versions, which were mostly developed by Acclaim, were released for all systems simultaneously on September 13th, 1993. Midway spent millions of dollars on a splashy ad campaign, and they dubbed the release date Mortal Monday. And to this point, video game release dates weren't really that big a deal. They mm. were, if you remember Batman, like all of these games were kind of scheduled years and apart. Right. Like even if they were based on a movie that came out a specific <laughs> Some came time. out before the movie, some came out after the movie. Same with RoboCop. Yeah, yeah it's all over the place. But, uh, you know, so previous to this, the only game that had really done like a unified release date was Sonic 2. They oh, called sure. that Sonic Tuesday. So this was kind of a response to Mortal, Mortal okay. Monday. Um, so yeah, the, the iconic Mortal Kombat scream, you know, from the song came from the ad campaign for Mortal Mondays. And a couple of things about the, uh, the ports real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure one thing that is tr- like, I think for the most part, we only played one version of each of these games. Like yeah. we didn't explore all the ports, but one thing you can rely on is if you are ever in the market for truly the worst of the worst games, <laughs> um, play handheld ports. Of Mortal Kombat. Has there uh, ever been a good one? No. Yeah. Even even when they finally got things on the Game Boy Advance, where it would kind of could replicate like a Super Nintendo port, they were still off. Mortal Kombat Advance might be the worst game in the entire franchise. <laughs> like, there's an argument to be made. Uh, that game just does not work. They are so unbelievable. Like, a game that is focused on sort of pushing the 
technology envelope, like all of the handheld ports are basically non-functional. Yeah, it, yeah. Just to the point where you're like, I can't believe that they released this with any sort of like, and maintained any kind of brand loyalty. And maybe that's mm. why like the series always left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth as like a game because the yeah. first one I had was the Game Gear version. Yeah. So not the one to play. No. Uh, but so the the release of these games actually signified uh, a, a shift in the console wars. So Nintendo was flat out refusing to have any blood or gore in their Super NES port. Right. Like there was no way to unlock it. It was just straight up like no gore, no blood. It was sweat. You would punch people and it was like gray sort of liquid yeah, would come off. Exactly. But. but Sega, on the other hand, was allowing for the gore. Now, the console versions released were MA-13. You had to unlock the gore with a special code, the famous ABACABB, ABACAB. And as a result, millions of gamers chose the Genesis version over Super NES. And as a result of that, Sega overtook Nintendo in the console market for the first time ever. And they maintained that supremacy for the next three years. Wow. Which just was from the original Mortal Kombat. Just from Mortal Kombat. For being, having to unlock this gore with a code. With a code, that's yeah. The, uh, that's the so Mortal Kombat has always had a couple things that have been very close to it, and like codes have always been a big part of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. In a very interesting way, in the sense that like in this first game, you can sort of unlock Reptile to fight against him. Yeah. But the process to do that is like you have to get like two flawless victories in a row or something against. You know, the computer, it's like things that are, they did a very good job of things that were obscure enough yeah. that like they, people would take a long time to figure them out. And they also seemed kind of like made up, like fake things you would hear on the schoolyard of, oh, I did this thing. And then like a green ninja appeared and I fought him. Yeah. You're, like, You're making that up. Yeah. No uh, way. No Come way. on. They but, could, a green ninja. <laughs> I can imagine a yellow and a blue, but a green. But they Fuck weren't you. like obtuse enough that they would never happen. Like no. you could still stumble against them. And, you know, it's a testament to this game's level of popularity that these secrets all sort of came out. Like now with the internet, companies will make these incredibly complex secrets and weird things in their game. Yeah. And people will figure them out instantly because right. like it's just disseminated online. And yeah, it's on the internet. It's in, yeah. And here, at this like, time you had to rely on like magazines. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so many different kind of urban legends could sort of build up amongst people who played Mortal Kombat and Midway always did a great job of kind of leaning into this of like some program, you know, they would have a random idea of, oh, what if we put an unlockable green ninja and then the second game, they make him a playable character. Yeah. I mean, and kind of as a result, like the Mortal Kombat series has been pretty, they've gone pretty deep on secrets. Like to this day, there are secret characters, still secret Easter eggs hidden in all of these games. Nintendo learned their lesson pretty hard. They allowed uh, Mortal Kombat 2 to appear on the SNES with all the blood and gore, like, I think right out the gate, right? Yep. Or did you need a code for that? I don't think that? you need a code. Um, of the other home versions, the MS-DOS version was the closest to the original arcade, and the Sega CD version was the only one to not require the Abacab code, so that was rated MA-17. Got it. Uh, Game Boy and Game Gear were obviously severely limited compared to their console counterparts. They dropped Johnny Cage and Reptile. Uh, I, I remember... I didn't know about the code when mm-hmm. I had the Game Gear version, and so I'm like, all right, this is boring. I don't like this game. So I traded it to another kid for a uh, Game Gear X-Men game. Uh-huh. And then like it was on the playground, and then I immediately, once the cartridge changed hands, the kid slapped it into his Game Gear, punched in a code, and there's all the blood and gore. Sure. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but the and now game, I'm stuck the with this very blooded. mediocre X-Men game. I, I imagine the very mediocre X-Men game is still better than Game Gear Mortal Kombat. It probably here's- is. Here's the core aspect. Here, here's the dirty secret about the original Mortal Kombat. It's not a good game. It's not a good game. It's by like for the amount of like huge impact that the Mortal Kombat series had, it's it's an incredibly clunky fighting game. Yeah. Like the the character selection is is not tremendously exciting. Even though like I get that these characters are all pretty core to Mortal Kombat. Yeah. yeah. Like none of them like sort of wow you and have a super distinct design the way like Guile does from Street Fighter. Yeah. And that's the other part of it is this game is a year after Street Fighter 2. Right. Which is like, if this game had sort of set the standard of what a fighting game is and then Capcom had refined that and come out with Street Fighter 2, I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But when you look at Street Fighter 2 and the the way it looks and the way it plays. So much more complex and like, yeah, sophisticated. And just, and just, it feels tighter and like everything kind of works the way it should. 
in Mortal Kombat, everything just feels clunky. Like, no move seems to sort of flow into any other move. No, very, very stiff. And like and like you said, like, the, the character roster was pretty iconic, but it also, like, we're not really getting a good sense of who they are right. just from this game. A lot of it came about from the supplemental materials and mm-hmm. the movie later on. I mean, the basic story here is it's centered on an ongoing battle between Earthrealm and this other, like, dimension called Outworld. So, for centuries, control of these realms has been determined by a martial arts tournament called Mortal Kombat. And if you win 10 tournaments in a row, then you basically get control of all of the worlds. So, Outworld has won the last nine, thanks to uh, this power-hungry warlord named Shang Tsung and his champion Goro, who has won the last nine tournaments. So uh, Raiden, who's a thunder god, he assembles the team of the Earth's greatest heroes to stop the threat. So the original fighters in this game, uh, who would appear in most of the games from here on mm-hmm. out, were Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Kano, and Raiden. Uh, you also get to fight Goro as a mini-boss, and Shang Tsung is the final boss in this and game, but they're not playable. Goro was kind of was very distinct in his design because he was done with claymation. Like, all yeah. of the other characters where, you know, motion capture sort of this digitized thing, A lot there's only about three or four actors playing all of the different characters yeah. in this game, which also contributes to them looking and feeling a little samey. Exactly, um, yeah. But Goro was, you know, very distinct in terms of how intimidating he looked. And, like, for as cool... As- as Scorpion and Sub-Zero are, like, this set the template of, like, oh, we just need to change the color on these right. identical character designs and then, like, mix up the movesets a little bit. So there's not, they're not really, you know, breaking a sweat on these characters. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and like you said, I don't think this game holds up that well. Like, the thing that kind of surprised me, like, replaying it uh, for this for this episode, like, for the first time in years, yeah. is uh, the matches end so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, these are like 10-second matches. You take a lot of damage. You take a lot of damage. Like, and, you know, this it's got the blocking mechanic, which, like, does absorb a lot of mm-hmm. the damage, but it's also pretty easy to get around it with, like, a simple, like, leg sweep, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, the the crucial things that this game introduced, firstly, is the juggling mechanic. You can uppercut somebody and then, like, kind of keep them in the air for a little bit, like, to do a lot more damage. Uh, and then the other signature thing, of course, is the fatality, which is a cinematic, gory finishing move uh, once you've kind of reached the finish him stage, you know. Uh, and these these were all always the most fun, you know. But I, how did you learn how to do fatalities back in the day? Like, uh, well, I think at the point where I had actually made an effort to get good at Mortal Kombat. I ha- I had internet access. Yeah. So eventually I just printed out all of the moves for Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 and okay. just had them next to me as I played. Yeah. Um which helped me actually learn but before that I just never had any idea. Yeah. And you would just you you would sort of maybe a friend knew how to do one. And so you would play with Striker and you'd always just do the same fatality. Totally. But, totally. Yeah, yeah. I would I would have to just like wait for other kids who were better at this game to like play it in the arcade and I would I would watch it from yeah. there. But I, I could never really master these moves. And and that is such a bizarre thing, is like the amount of sort of effort and extra content that is put into these games that often you don't even see. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I mean the single player mode is kind of structured as a series of like towers, right. which I think would be continued for most of the early mm-hmm. part of the series where you like work up different level of combatants. And the uh, other each time, the other thing about this game, just general, it does set the precedent of the single player modes in Mortal Kombat being bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're boring. Be- they're, they're boring in the sense that, you know, you're just fighting one fighter after the other, which is true of most fighting games, but they never figured out the AI. No, like street fighter two had pretty satisfying AI where the fighters would play differently. But here, you always feel like it's either way too easy, like you're spamming it in some way, if you just kind of duck and the opponent walks into your uppercut. Yeah. Or it feels very cheap. Like you will run and jump at them and they'll jump straight up and kick you in the face. And there's there's like a point, right? Like you'll you'll usually blaze through the first like five or six matches uh, just button mashing. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it'll just get to a point where you just can't progress any farther because all of a sudden the game got really good. Yeah, I was trying to get through in Mortal Kombat 2 the endurance match and I just played it 15 times. I used every fighter and I just couldn't do it. There's just, here there's just never feels like there's enough sort of strategic options. You're just like, I don't know how to beat this person. I throw a projectile and they jump over it and kick me. Yeah. I run up to them 
and they throw me, you just have feel like you have no option. And so, like, it doesn't really matter because obviously the success of this game is based on two-player combat yeah. and sort of trading off in the arcade, but it, it has always been a thing that has really irked me about these early Mortal Kombat games is just, like, these sort of unpleasant AI, and they never got that balance right. And that's the, but the crazy thing about the series is like, even when you look back on it, you don't really remember how shitty the game is. You, you remember kind of like the memeable moments, you mm-hmm. know, there's all these great audio clips of, you know, finish him, and flawless victory and fight and like all these great things. And the, the sound effects and the signature, like goofy moves and stuff like that. You remember all of that. And you don't remember how like kind of unpleasant it is to play. It's just, I mean, that is sort of a the heart of Midway in the '90s through 2000. Yeah, really, it's just this sense of just people being goofy and having fun and having some weird idea of what if we put this in the game and then they just put it in the game. Yeah, and, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, and just throw it in. Ed Boon has stuck with the series as kind of like the figurehead for it. Yeah, um, which is great. He seems like a cool guy. I yeah, him ever so briefly at a con and just said, hey. I like your games. <laughs> uh, apparently, people didn't recognize him because he was standing right behind one of the MK booths watching people play. Just I mean, I don't know there. if I would recognize okay. him, but yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but John Tobias, I feel like, is much more responsible, certainly at the initial thing here for making the game the giant hit that it is because the aesthetic is just really cool. And it's uh, endured. Yeah, yeah, it really has. I mean... Yeah, like I said, we're going to get more into the movies and the cross-cultural stuff with the next episode, but like yeah, it was it was huge and a lot of it was just because of the characters and and the the world of it. And I know? don't think that John Tobias is involved with the series anymore, but I, I imagine so. every time they make a new game, they just mail him a check for like 3 million dollars. Oh, no I mean, as well yeah. they should. As because, well they should. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely his sort of aesthetic and choices. It just it combines so many kind of 90s things very well in it terms does. like an edgy comic book aesthetic and yeah. just sort of a fascination with you know borderline racist Asian culture <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah a bit of that a bit of that but it, it and just a general sense of fun and we don't give a fuck type of vibe exactly yeah let's move on to Mortal Kombat 2 this is released April 3rd 1993 developed by Midway and published by Midway and the home versions were done by Acclaim once again and it was released on arcade, Game Gear, Genesis, Super NES, Game Boy, 32X, Amiga, <laughs> Master System, DOS, PlayStation, and PSN. So obviously, when you've got a Mortal Kombat-sized hit on your hands, you want to follow it up as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Mortal Kombat 2, that was six months. Oh, wow. Six months between 1 and 2. Uh, so the uh, Part 2 was in arcades before the home versions of 1 were out. Okay, wow. Uh, so the developers claim the Mortal Kombat 2 has kind of everything that they wanted to put into Mortal Kombat yes. 1, but they didn't have the time or money. Um, and the success of the first game allowed for much higher quality production equipment. So actors were now filmed using professional quality cameras. Uh, so they let the sprites look much, much yes. better. And the new hardware allowed for bigger sprites, more detailed animation, and some parallax scrolling in the backgrounds. Now, the project was hugely expensive at the time. It cost an estimated $50 million to program. Wow, and, and, so well, 50 times more than the first game. Uh, most of that was going to marketing, I ah, imagine, sure. because this was one of the most marketed games of all time. Uh, but it uh, was worth the investment because it made that $50 million back in its first week alone, smashing all previous records and becoming the best-selling video game of all time for one whole year until Donkey Kong Country came out the next year. Wow, okay. Uh, critics and players loved it too. To this day, there are many people who consider this the high watermark of the series. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people defend this as the best game in the series. And of course, there was more controversy. This game was once again banned in many countries and heavily censored in others, including Japan in a very rare instance where a Western product was censored in Japan and not the other way <laughs> sure. around. Uh, and in addition to the violence, the game was called out by Asian activist groups for portraying negative stereotypes mm-hmm. and uh, by women's groups for glamorizing and even exo- eroticizing violence against women in a lot of cases. Uh, so there were internal struggles, too. Several of the actors from the first game sued Midway in a claim for misusing their likenesses and paying less than they were worth, leading to two very lengthy lawsuits that the actors ultimately lost. Uh, one significant development there was Daniel Pacino, who was the likeness for Johnny Cage, and I think he played the ninjas as well. Yep. He actually jumped ship to another game called Bloodstorm, which is an arcade brawler that was being hyped as a Mortal Kombat killer. And like they had him in costume as Johnny Cage right. in some of the ads, like kicking a console, like and and just claiming this was so much better. 
Uh, it was not. It was not a better game. Did not do better. <laughs> I think on the positive, and that story had a happy ending because uh, he actually, I think, <laughs> reconciled with Boone and Tobias and is part still where he works for NetherRealm Studios now. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. That's um, cool. And, you, you know, I don't, obviously it's weird to chime into 30-year-old lawsuits, but I do feel like it's hard to sort of fault midway on that as a sense of them taking advantage of these actors, because I don't think there was ever a sense that this game would be as huge as it turned out to be. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, we're going to pay you the rate that, you know, actors get you. It's not like your likeness is what makes this game, this giant million dollar seller. Right. It's just like, we think this is going to be some throwaway cash cow to sort of, ape on uh, Street Fighter 2's success. And it, they never, I'm sure they never thought in a million years that they would overtake Street Fighter 2. Yeah, which which is like kind of a tricky area. I believe there was kind of a similar lawsuit a couple years ago with the movie Brokeback Mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, Randy Quaid, who has a small part in that, sued the studio because the movie blew up. Like it right. became a much bigger movie than I think anyone ever actually intended for it to be. But he felt like, uh, oh, they must have known, blah, 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 blah. They should give me more money. It's it's kind of hard to say. Like, I think they should be compensated mm -hmm. if it's successful. Like, that should be in their contracts that they get points or something like that. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, story-wise, pretty much the same as the first time. Uh, Shang Tsung returns to Outworld to beg his ruler Shao Kahn for another chance. He suggests hosting the next Mortal Kombat tournament in Outworld so the humans would uh, be at a disadvantage and they could face off against Shao Kahn himself. And canonically, like in the first game, Liu Kang wins the tournament there as well. Okay. Obviously, it's going to depend on your own gameplay experience who wins, but canonically, Liu Kang is the winner. So there are 12 playable characters this time around. Uh, the original cast all return with two exceptions. Sonya and Kano were left off. You could see them chained up in the background yeah. of Shao Kahn's stage. Um, the new characters this time include Baraka, Melina, Katana, Kung Lao, Shang Tsung, and Jax. And this game also introduces boss characters Shao Kahn and Kintaro and has three unlockable fights with characters like Jade, Smoke, and Noob Saibot, <laughs> who will all become characters uh, later in the series. Yeah, Noob Saibot, basically the reptile of this game of like, oh, I saw this weird ninja who was just all shadow. And again, true to the goofy spirit of the creators, it's just Boone and Tobias's name backwards. Right, which I remember that blowing my mind when I was a kid <laughs> learning that. I'm like, now I'm like, well, obviously, like this is not a name that anybody would have unless it's an anagram or like a backwards thing. And very similar to Street Fighter 2, which is basically, for all intents and purposes, the first Street Fighter game. Yeah. Even though there is a Street Fighter 1, but, like, it, it... The weird thing is, like, Mortal Kombat 1, for as huge of a game it is, kind of forgotten and in the shadow of this game. Yeah. Because this is really the game that established, like what these characters look like. The, like, the huge graphical improvement really shows. Yeah. Like, the design of the characters just pop a lot more. Stages are so much more Stages interesting. Stages are much more interesting. Everyone has a much better array of special moves, and it just feels a lot better to play it does. than the initial one. This is not my favorite Mortal Kombat game. Mine I've either. never quite gotten that argument, because it still feels quite slow. It's very slow. It's it is much faster than the original mm -hmm. game, but it is still pretty slow. Um, you know, recovery time is shorter. It's easier to string together combos or execute counter moves. Uh, there's also an expanded suite of special moves for existing characters and an expanded roster of general moves. Like crouching punches were not in the first game, mm, but they're okay. in this one. Uh, some stages allow for some stage-specific fatalities, like you can uh, punch somebody into spikes or into the pool of acid. And speaking of fatalities, there are a ton of new ones for both new and existing characters. They're grosser than ever. Uh, but the developers also added some cheeky new features to kind of respond to the controversy. The first of these would be friendships, <laughs> which is a nonviolent finishing move where you just like make friends with the guy you just defeated. Very yeah. funny. Um, and babalities, where you magically turn your opponent into a crying baby, which, again, I, I think this is a funny way of kind of like flipping the bird at all the people who are complaining about the violence the first time around. Yeah. This also introduced one of the series' most enduring memes. Uh, when your character executes an uppercut, a digitized image of sound designer Dan Forden will appear in the bottom right corner and say, Toasty! Toasty! In a little falsetto voice. Uh, if you time a button combo when you see him in the portal stage, it'll unlock a fight with Smoke, I believe. That right? sounds right. Another just totally goofy thing of your, like, when that you Why? hear it on the playground... Oh, when the toasty guy comes out, if you put in a code, you fight a secret character. Like, you're just making that up. And you're like, but, who is this guy? He yeah. must be, like, the most important guy in the entire company. He's the sound designer. It's He's just, a, yeah, it's so fun to me that they were willing to take this huge $50 million game, and they're like, 
yeah, let's put a little digitized face of the sound designer in there. For, for what is clearly an inside joke yes. between the 10 people working on this game. Like, that, <laughs> it, that's really funny to me. And it's, Toasty has kind of become a thing, like, in every single game since yes. this. Like, it's in every one of the games. Uh, very random. But, you know, a, a more fun game. I still don't think the series has found its footing. No. Um, I think it's still, it's still kind of figuring out. I mean, this is out. definitely one that, like, the first one, they got lucky, basically, in courting that controversy and, yeah. and hitting that huge, huge success. But this is the game that proved, like, oh, look, they really do have something with legs here yeah. and the talent to make something good, even if it's not necessarily my favorite one. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, let's move on to Mortal Kombat 3 slash Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 slash Mortal Kombat Trilogy. Sure. This was released April 15th, 1995. It was developed and published by Midway, and it was released... the Okay, lots of different weird ones here. Okay, original Mortal Kombat 3 was released on pretty much everything. Yeah. Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 was, also, was released on Saturn, Game Boy Advance, DS, and mobile in addition to all of those. Mm -hmm. And Mortal Kombat Trilogy, in addition to all of those, was released on N64... Windows and everyone's favorite console, the GameCom. <laughs> so originally, you know, this I think Mortal Kombat Trilogy is not an arcade game, from my understanding. No, no, Trilogy was... is not uh, original and Ultimate R. Yeah. So originally, this game was going to be the first 3D entry in the series. And now, just also to just a reminder here, like this is what three. So there was six months between one and two, and now there's been three years between two and three. Uh, two two years. Two years. Two years. Okay, yeah. but like so, a much longer development. Longer time. development time, and they're letting the the home console versions take off a little bit. So this was going to be the first 3D entry, but the technology wasn't quite there for what they wanted to do. I mean, keep in mind the only real 3D fighting game at the market right now is Virtua Fighter, mm, which looks like poop. Is very limited in what you yeah. can do. Like I don't think you can portray spines getting ripped out no. with a couple of blocks. Uh, many of the actors had to be recast due to ongoing litigation with the original cast. Uh, Carlos Pacino, who was the brother of Daniel and the model for Raiden, he was cut from the base game reportedly as a punitive measure for following in his brother's footsteps and appearing in the game Tattoo Assassins, which mm. was another Mortal Kombat ripoff. But unlike Daniel, he did stay on as a developer at Midway, and he was eventually put back in Mortal Kombat Trilogy. So while the previous games had used an Asian aesthetic, this one was meant to be more Western-influenced, so it's set in a post-apocalyptic version of America, Color palette is much grungier and more muted than it was before. Uh, and once again, the game got a huge promotional push. At the time, it set a world record for most expensive promotional campaign for a video game. Wow. Some home console versions were released the same day as the arcade version. And so a few months later, Midway released Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, which offered an expanded Only roster. Only a few months later? Only a few months wow, later, yeah. Okay. I think it was, uh, it was April to November. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, this one offered an expanded roster, tweaked mechanics, some new levels. And John Tobias said in an interview that ultimate Mortal Kombat three was developed as a way to appease arcade owners because the console market was cutting into their oh, market, you know, like Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat two debuted in arcade and they were the only way to play it for months. And this time it kind of cut into it. And that's, so that's the weird thing about Mortal Kombat three. So Mortal Kombat three is, I think generally a straight up improvement gameplay wise over two. I think generally, um, yeah. the big, the big, I mean, it plays much faster. Um, characters again, have more special moves. It has looks very good. Um, and you have a run button, which yeah. I like a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. The ability to sort of close that gap faster in, and there's a little meter, so you can't just run constantly, Yeah. but it really gives this game this kind of frantic feel and adds a more strategic option. The big problem with the first Mortal, with Mortal Kombat 3 is the character roster is just bad. Like, that was the big complaint at the time because yeah. we you lose. This is the one and only Mortal Kombat game that does not have Scorpion, right? Which, uh, which is crazy. A, that's a big loss. It's a big loss. And I mean, you're also losing other fan favorites like Raiden and Baraka and like guys I don't like think that. Johnny Cage is in this game. I think uh, Johnny Cage is no Johnny Cage is dead. Yeah, yeah. Motaro kills him like oh, okay. before the game starts. I mean, the game has a much more expanded um, storyline, you know, like there's lots of little sub storylines going on for each individual character in the post to like, you know, the, the the overarching thing is that Shao Kahn is trying to resurrect his long dead wife, Sindel, to allow him to control all of the realms, and you know, that's sort of the, the, the big issue with this game is despite the sort of play improvements, the care, the character roster just feels weird and underdeveloped. It's like. A lot of the new characters are kind of fun and neat. I've always had a soft spot for Striker and Nightwolf. Um, yeah. But they, they feel like kind of 
lot of sort of side characters without sort of those stars in there, like Johnny Cage or Scorpion. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like this whole game seems composed of like the B-grade squad, who is nice to have in there, but like Shiva and Sindel, you know, who's kind of a bride of Frankenstein type aesthetic. Yeah, and who else do like, we have? Like, we have, we have uh, original characters of Jax, Kano, Kung Lao, Liu Kang, Sub-Zero, Shang Tsung, and Sonya are all and back. And Sub-Zero looks weird. Now, this, this is a yeah. different Sub-Zero. It's a different character. So he fights without a mask, and he looks much less cool. Yeah, his his whole deal is that like a lot of the ninjas in his clan are being turned into sort of like cyborgs. That's yeah. why we get characters like Cyrax and Cabal and guys like that. Sector. Sector. And like these characters, again, these robot characters are very cool, but they seem like the less cool versions of the ninjas. It's the same kind of idea. Yeah. It's like, let's get, we have one character model, let's just swap out the colors, mm-hmm. you know? So it is kind of a cheap way to expand the roster. And then you've got like, uh, yeah, Cyrax, Cabal, Nightwolf, Nightwolf Sector, Sindel, Shiva, and Striker. I couldn't tell you what Sindel or Shiva look like off the well, top of Shiva my head. Well, Shiva is basically female Goro. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and Sindel um, has this sort of white hair and the ability to fly around. Uh, I think Ultimate added a few more characters. Ultimate added a ton more characters. Yeah, we had uh, Jade, Reptile, Katana, Scorpion's Back, Melina, Ermac, and Sub-Zero, uh, a different sprite of Sub-Zero. Well, the, the original ninja with the The original mask, one. Yeah. And then Trilogy had every character from Ultimate plus Raiden and Baraka using their Mortal Kombat 2 movesets. And then Johnny Cage comes back. Johnny Cage well. comes back. And you could also unlock Chameleon with some versions, which is Chameleon with a C. <laughs> mimics all of the male ninja characters. Chameleon with a K imitates all the female characters. And Chameleon and I think, with a K was in the N64, yes. and with a C was in, I think, the Saturn and PS1 That's versions. correct. Yeah, absolutely. And so you just sort of end in this awkward phase of, you know, looking at all this in retrospect, the original Mortal Kombat 3 is a game that serves no purpose at yeah. this point because kind of yeah. ultimate and trilogy basically play the same, but have way more characters. Yeah. They give you all the things that Mortal Kombat three kind of inexplicably mm-hmm. left out. And then ultimate Mortal Kombat three, um, very satisfying play playable roster. Probably the one that I played the most on super Nintendo. And it's an amazing fighting game for super Nintendo in terms of how much they squeezed in there. Um, it's probably, you know, that and the Street Fighter 2 port are the two best Super Nintendo fighting games. I mean, if I, if I remember your list from the N64 Mm -hmm. era, Trilogy and Mortal Kombat 4 both made your top 10. Yeah, and Trilogy cool because it's, um, Trilogy is basically the definitive version of these games because you get all of the characters, they're nice big sprites, but the game generally... Um, felt a little glitchy, a little lack in polish compared to Ultimate. Yeah. Uh, because they had like thrown in some characters that hadn't sort of been nicely integrated into the game. And these games especially really suffer from that uh, cheap enemy AI. And Motaro, the sort of Goro replacement, who's a giant Minotaur man. Yeah. Or he's a, he's a centaur. He's a centaur, yeah. Um, is a real son of a bitch. Like, yeah, he, he is. He is no fun to fight. Does he have that like huge spear or something? Am I remembering that incorrectly? Mm, I think you are remembering that incorrectly. Okay. I don't know who has the huge spear, but he can sort of teleport around yeah. and just, you try to jump kick him and he blocks you and then smashes you in the face. Like, he's just very hard to beat without coming out with some kind of cheap tactics. I mean, you have new fatalities, babalities, and friendships. You also have new moves like Mercy, which lets you give a little bit of life back to your character to keep fighting to them. the you give them to the enemy character right like, exactly yeah you give them to the enemy and character then that will allow you to do an animality which again uh, felt like it sweaty. had become a joke yeah that's at this a, point that's really sweaty yeah. like i think animalities were kind of like a, a rumor about mortal kombat 2 that they just like okay fine yeah let's do that like they already thought of it for <laughs> and us, these so. look unbelievably dated like I, I dumb yesterday i just watched a video of all the animalities from mortal kombat trilogy and it's just like your character, you know, Cabal will turn into an anteater and sort of suck the opponent in. And the, the animal designs look terrible. They look bad. <laughs> they look yeah. really bad. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, and that was the criticism at the time. People were like, yeah, this play is okay, but like, this is dumb. These new characters don't really pop, like, uh, and, and we're missing some of the original characters. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to Mortal Kombat 4 slash Mortal Kombat Gold. This was released October 15th, 1997, developed and published by Midway. Uh, Eurocom did some home console versions. It was released in arcades, N64, PlayStation Windows, and Game Boy Color, and Gold was exclusive on the Dreamcast. 
So much fewer consoles. At this. I mean, there are fewer consoles being developed yeah, for by 1997. True. Well, and this, I mean, this is truly the first 3D Mortal Kombat game. This so is the one, yeah. They, they, I mean, they tried to release it on Game Boy Color, which is clearly a mistake, but it's yeah. like, at some point, you really limited in terms of if you're trying to make a 3D game on a handheld console. Definitely. Um, you know, so this is three games in now, and Ed Boon is still the only programmer on the team. Like, okay. crazily, he's the only one who developed the first three games. So this one added a couple more programmers uh, to to sort of help him with the 3D technology. Right. Uh, this was the first game that didn't require actors, and I don't think we would have them back for any more, right? Because uh, wow. Sub-Zero, the standalone Sub-Zero came between three and this if i remember correctly i mean that, I'll yeah, that sounds, i mean that. it would be that would be using the sprites from trilogy or right three. that's still so that would that. be using those actors i guess yeah so i don't think there were any more like sprite based characters i mean speaking of mortal kombat mythology sub-zero that is the game that created shinnok yes who is your main villain and quan chi yeah uh, who, appears who in this are game your main well. villains in this game they finally that, I mean, that's the awkward area that Mortal Kombat 4 lives in, is they had really, at this point, spun their wheels a lot yeah. with Mortal Kombat 3, and like, okay, we've really used these same characters a lot, and what can we do to kind of add new characters, make things more interesting, and this is kind of what they came up with. Yeah, and, and you know, they brought in a lot of the team from another Midway fighting game, War Gods. Uh, thankfully, they made a much better game than yes. War Gods. <laughs> Um, and you know, just to kind of help him with the 3d technology. And, uh, they were able to, they, they wanted to go for a more serious tone, which mm. I think they botched when you hear how bad the, uh, acting is in yes. the cutscenes. This game has pre- is pretty notorious for its bad voice acting and for its really cheap looking like dumb cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we reenacted one of them on our, <laughs> our episode covering yeah. it, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, but, uh, they were trying for something a little more serious. So, Friendships, babalities, mercies, animalities, all gone. And in favor of that, characters have two fatalities each. And they now have the ability to use weapons, mm-hmm. which you can like throw and like pick up. Like you could use each other's weapons, which was, you know, I, th- I thought that was a pretty yeah, fun mechanic. Yeah, I like the weapon mechanic in this game a lot. I think that this game is a very good Mortal Kombat game, and I probably like it much more than most people. Yeah. Um, it Its general weaknesses are... It is a good-looking 3D game and pretty impressive in its technology, but what happens when you go to 3D at this time in technology is the characters just look lame. They just don't pop with that amount of personality that they did in the 2D sprites. And this is the game, like, this introduced a bunch of new characters, and most of them didn't really go on to anything beyond this game. Almost all the new characters are pretty lame, like generic or Jarek is essentially just Kano again. Yeah, we have uh, Fujin, Jarek, Quan Chi, Kai, Rico, Tanya, and Shinnok. Yeah. Like, who are these guys? Like, yeah, it's Fujin, like, Quan Chi, and Shinnok, they all they were all in mythologies. Fujin is just, you know, B-grade Raiden. He's a wind god instead of a thunder god. And, and I think a lot of these guys would make, like, a cameo appearance in, like, Deception, or one of the one of the PS2 ones that brought in every single yeah, character. Yeah, Armageddon, you can play as them. But, yeah, yeah. They, they have not... You know, they'll get thrown in to sort of, they'll maybe put like Rico in one of the new games just to like, as a throwaway character. And yeah. To, it's just kind of like, that is a thing when like a series feels like it has a misstep. You you try to pull something from that misstep later to like <sighs> canonize it in retrospect. Be like, yeah, we knew what we were doing when we were putting Rico in here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And this was the last one that I think uh, Tobias, John Tobias was involved in. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the character designs get a little less interesting from here on out. Yeah, and you could tell maybe he was running out of ideas for this point, or had kind of lost enthusiasm because there's really no standout new character. Uh, maybe Quan Chi is probably the new standout character in terms of one yeah, who's endured. I, th- I think he made it all the way to eleven, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's still around because um, he has a, a sort of a distinct design and he's very brutal. He has yeah. probably the most brutal fatality in this game, where you rip off someone's leg and then beat them with it. And they were but, they were pushing him, I think, mm-hmm. like between this and 
mythologies. Like, I think they wanted him to be kind of the new big bad of the series. And, he, and Shinnok is quite lame in this game. For yeah. Being like, when you compare him to Shao Kahn, who's this giant hulk of a man with a big hammer. Yeah. Shinnok is basically just has the ability to take the move sets of other characters. Like, they just announce, he doesn't even transform the way Shang Tsung does. Yeah, I was going to say, Shang Tsung already does. Yeah, this. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, Shang Tsung and Shang Tsung will transform into the sprite. With Shinnok, they just announce the name of the character and then he has their moveset. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's very lazy and it's really the sense that I think they did a good job with this game, but it doesn't really add enough to get you excited about Mortal Kombat again. And I think at this point, like, there had been five games in five years, if you include Sub-Zero, which mm. was uh, a real kind of critical disaster that we'll get yeah. into next week. Uh, but, like, you know, the, the bloom was getting a little off the rose at this point. Also, the market had been flooded with Mortal Kombat knockoffs. Right. There were so many mostly pretty bad, like, Mortal Kombat ripoffs, like uh, Primal Rage and sure. things like that, you know? Like, so it, it felt much less special, and it didn't feel like this game was really doing too much to distinguish itself from everything else that had kind of aped it at this point. Like, I, I think standing, like, in a vacuum, this is a pretty fun game. Yeah, like, I like this like, game a lot. On its own. They, they definitely fix the um, AI issue in this game. This is the first game that I think is fun to play in single player because yeah. it doesn't feel tremendously cheap. The combos... Um, in, as opposed to in three, where each character kind of had set combos that you had to dial in an exact uh, button combination. Here, each character has kind of the same combos, but you can finish them up in the same, like, by mixing in special moves and things like that, which makes the game more accessible, I think, to newcomers. Yeah. And I think that the weapon integration is fun. That was something that they would explore more in later games. Mm -hmm. But I think that, honestly, this game does a better job. Yeah, I think so. It's it is always fun to just like pull out a weapon and then like get it knocked out of your hand and somebody else picks it up and beats you to death with yeah. it. You know, it's like it's it's a cool mechanic. Um, yeah, and like I said, there there is an older episode of Ultra sixty four you can go back and and listen to where we talk about trilogy and four, uh, and we had a lot of fun talking about those. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, for for now, let's let's close out our Mortal Kombat discussion for this week. Uh, when we revisit the subject in two weeks, we are going to be talking about the spinoffs and the mm. movies. Okay. Uh, these was kind of the, the cultural impact when we were <laughs> trying to see if Mortal Kombat would work in other mediums. Spoiler alert, they do not. Uh, <laughs> so what do we have? We part. got we uh, have, uh, Shaolin Monks, Special Forces, and Mythologies. And Mythologies, and then uh, the three movies, which are Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and Mortal Kombat. Came out so, last year. Came out last year. Um, have you seen Annihilation? Oh, yes. I was going to say... Oh, oh. It was quite an experience, my friend. I am going to watch it again. Have for the, fun. For the first time since 1997. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, spoiler, when in 1997, I was not a very discriminating film goer, and I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. So I'm excited to see how yep. that's aged. Uh, probably like a fine vinegar. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so we will see you next week when we're talking about 50 Cent, an episode I'm deeply excited about. The Good. more I dig in and research, the more I'm excited to talk about these <laughs> series. Well, your special guest, Curtis Jackson. Yeah, yeah, we Curtis. got him. We booked him. Uh, he, he has a $2 billion uh, appearance fee, Oof. but I think we, I think we nailed <laughs> we it. You gotta step up this Patreon goals. Yeah, yeah, I've got a GoFundMe out there. We're gonna make it happen. All right, everybody, we will see you next week. Flawless victory. Flawless victory.